People-pleasing is a mask. It keeps people from truly seeing us. So in order to truly belong, to find your tribe, to find the people who would go above and beyond for you the way you do for people, you have to allow yourself to be seen. And I know that feels scary. Welcome back to Find Your Magic. It is February 2024. It is a new month and we are back to having new episodes. Thank you so much for listening to all of the re-releases in our Best Of series this January. It was a necessary sort of break for new content because I really wanted to make sure that I wasn't rushing to get content out for content's sake. I take great care and great pride in making sure that the guests that come on this show are guests who are here to share meaningful, actionable advice with you, whether that is business advice or mental health advice. You know, the calling to create something, whether that is a business something or an artistic something, is not one that I take lightly. It takes quite a bit of bravery and quite a bit of vulnerability to really, A, admit that you are a soul who has something to say, and then to go through the journey of understanding that you are worthy of saying it, and then taking it even a step further and thinking, people's lives will be made better by me sharing whatever is on my heart. And that doesn't just mean creating something artistic or sharing a you know, vulnerable post on Instagram, whatever it is, that could be something like creating a company that gives people jobs, that helps people solve problems. This is a community of brave ass people. And that is why I only want to invite other brave ass people into this space to show us how they paved their own path. Because here's the thing, we can take advice from people. We can learn from other people's successes, mistakes, journeys. But really, I think the secret of life is you can't follow anybody else's path to get to your most beautiful, aligned, fulfilling life. And so the people who come on this podcast the guests that I have on this podcast are only the bravest souls who have something specific to share. And my hope is that you take these nuggets of wisdom and you plant them like seeds in your subconscious every time you listen to one of these episodes of Find Your Magic, and that those seeds that are for you take root and sprout into something new and beautiful for you and maybe even help you bloom into something exciting and beautiful and something that a new flower that we haven't seen before, like a hybrid of all the little seeds that get planted in the garden. I, you know, I'm a metaphor person. All this to say, I'm really excited to kick off the new year, 2024, 
with this particular guest. And before I get into the guest, I want to say I kind of hate New Year's resolutions stuff. So I'm just skipping it. I just decided I'm not doing resolutions this year. I do appreciate taking stock of what's going on in life, but I kind of do that all the time and not just at New Year. So that's why I want to start February really kind of easing into the new calendar year. January is just where we all get our feet back under us after the holidays. And I don't know about you, the holidays looked a lot different this year. They were... (laughs) The holidays, I think Glennon Doyle said on her podcast, We Can Do Hard Things, they're just the most time of the year. And this year, both my partner and I were sick throughout the entire holiday season, which, so we had to like cancel Christmas. We couldn't go visit family. And we just had like a very quiet Christmas morning with a couple of presents and like went back to bed. (laughs) It's not at all the traditional Christmas, but in a way, It was one of the most beautiful that I've ever had in my life because it allowed for the kind of deep rest that I don't think we give ourselves often enough because there was all this time where nobody was at their offices, nobody was getting shit done, there was no rush, there was no pressure I always say that my best ideas come when I'm bored and boy, howdy, did I get bored? (laughs) I got so frustrated. I got, I had such cabin fever, but I did a lot of introspection and sleeping, which underrated a lot of gratitude practice turned a lot of the, you know, instead of goal setting, I like to do like what's on the other side of the, I don't have this thing. What can I be grateful for? For me, I looked at a lot of my friends who have young children and I thought, you know, I'm just going to be grateful for not having young children right now because I can sleep all day and just get better because I don't have kids to be running after right now. So rather than being sad, maybe that I don't have young children, or, you know, feeling like there was some sort of lack there. Maybe I can just sit here and be grateful for the thing that I feel the lack of. I'm getting off topic. We know that that happens sometimes when I just sit down and start spiritual spitballing. I'm going to bring us back to my guest today and why I am choosing to kick off the new content with this guest. My guest today is Jewel Kim, and I came across Jewel, J-U-L-E, when I was moving to Seattle before, when I was living with my former partner, he lived in Seattle. He worked at a big company there. I'm sure you can deduce which one. And Seattle, beautiful city, absolutely loved it in many ways, but there's also this thing that Seattle's famous for called the Seattle freeze. And what that refers to is that it's really tough to make new friends or to break into friend groups in Seattle. It's this 
stereotype that I was really hoping wasn't true. Um, and so I was actively searching for other women who were like-minded who lived in the area and Jewel came up. And Jewel is a former corporate hustler lady who started her own business with photography at first, and then it turned into as it so often does, a deeper exploration of what it means to be in business for yourself. And she really, over the years, has pivoted into the most beautiful, supportive community that she's created. And her official title is she's a certified executive coach who helps women with people-pleasing, boundaries, and imposter syndrome. She's an author. She's a speaker. As I said, she's a coach. But her Instagram in particular is, is just chock full of super helpful content about what is the difference between imposter syndrome and people-pleasing? How does people-pleasing manifest? How does people-pleasing manifest in different areas of life, your relationship, your work, um, your family system? Uh, and people-pleasing really people-pleasing in the entrepreneurship world isn't something that's talked about with this level of specificity. And that is why I really am so excited to share this conversation with you with Jewel Kim today. In her words, when a business owner doesn't feel confident about themselves, and make no mistake, that's the root of it. When people-pleasing comes from, I am not enough Therefore, the thing that I've created is not enough or not good enough. And so I'm going to look to you to give me validation that it's enough and that I'm enough. So when a business owner doesn't feel confident about themselves, it affects the opportunities that they go after or don't go after and other aspects. And now I'm back to Jules quote, other aspects like how much they charge there's so many layers to this onion, y'all. All of them are related to self-worth and self-love, which I know are really trite words slash phrases, but we go into what does it actually mean? What does it look like? And again, how does it actually show up in your life? So listen to this incredible conversation with Jewel. She has a deck called Self-Love Affirmations and Reflections. And by the way, it is not like your run-of-the-mill, hippie-woo-woo, fluff kind of affirmation stuff. It's really specific, which I really, really appreciate about her. And the link to that is in the show notes. And also you can find all of these things on her Instagram at It's Jewel Kim. It's J-U-L-E-K-I-M. Thank you so much for being here. I'm really excited about what 2024 is going to bring on the podcast. I'm really diving deeper and deeper into topics that you guys have requested that we go over. A lot more specificity this year when it comes to why people are on the podcast, what they are here to talk about what they are sharing with us, the value that they are providing. And then also there are some new exciting updates in my personal world and in the business world, but you're just going to have to stay tuned and keep listening for those because I have been talking for a long time in this intro and it is definitely time to welcome Jewel Kim to Find Your Magic. 
Jewel Kim, thank you so much for being on Find Your Magic. I have been creeping on your Instagram for a very long time. So it's so nice to put a face to the name. Likewise, you know, I remember checking out your Instagram a couple of years back and I was like, who is this person? And I started following you. So it's so nice to meet you in person or like go face to face, Kelsey. I am a very, very big proponent of saying that internet friends are real friends. When you have been following somebody for a long time and you've been watching their stories and even if it's like a a businessy account, I still feel like I know your life. <laughs> and in your in your particular case, you post so many things on Instagram where I'm like, oh my God, it's like she's in my head, especially <laughs> when it comes to the imposter syndrome and the people pleasing, which is why I have invited you here today, because you, like me, are really interested in helping women who are entrepreneurial who are wanting to create their own path, who are often very creative people, and also people who usually struggle with imposter syndrome and people-pleasing. So can you talk a little bit, Jules, about how, how you kind of found your way into the work that you're currently doing? Oh my gosh, it's like, where do I start and how much time do we have? <laughs> I know, I know. I'll just say this. The reason why I do coaching around imposter syndrome and people pleasing, setting boundaries is because that has probably been been some of the biggest challenges in my own life. Korean, grew up in Alabama, did not understand that that was the origin of a lot of my imposter roots. Mm. I grew up in a family that always valued performance. Okay, so performance was above all else. It wasn't enough to get good grades. I had to get stellar grades and I had to get the best jobs had to be climbing that ladder. I did not know how to deal with struggles or failure. Mm. And so when you think about you leave the corporate world and you go out to start your own thing, whatever that thing is, it is the realm of unknown that is the scariest. True. And that's when you're most vulnerable. That's when you're most exposed. When you don't know how to deal with something in front of you that you've never encountered before. And so for me, that was leaving Amazon and going into photography. Mm. I thought I knew how to have a business because I had helped my parents with their business my entire life. It is not the same. It's so <laughs> not the same. Having a beauty supply brick and mortar store to going to a service-based business. Okay. Totally not the same. And then add on top of that, this extra layer of... Most Asians are raised to sort of poo-poo the creative arts, okay? Mm. So you're raised to play the piano or play the violin, but as like this very pretty side dish yeah. where your main thing is you're supposed to be a doctor, lawyer, engineer, <laughs> judge, something yeah. like that, right? Yep, those are the big they, three. <laughs> yeah, they tend to value stability above all else. And so then in their minds, the culture says, how do you get this ability is to have like these certain professions, so by nature, you starting your own business is already a riskier venture than anybody else in your family will ever know. At least on my side, I was lucky because my parents had already been business owners. So they kind of got it, but they didn't really. Mm. So even from the get-go, you know, we're talking about imposter syndrome. A lot of people, where do they suffer imposter syndrome? First is going to be, are my skills good enough? Mm. Okay. But then the second piece is going to be, can I charge enough? Am mm. I worth this price? Am I worth being able to raise my prices, right? Like, you know how this goes. Sure do. So 
When my parents found out how much I was charging, even just starting out as a photographer, it blew their mind. And they told me about how there was somebody, a photographer who came to their neighborhood store. And, you know, mind you, this is in Alabama. They still have that store in Alabama. Somebody left a business card at their store and it said that they only charged $50 for like three hours and the people would get all the images. Wow. And and they're telling me that I was charging too much. <laughs> and, and I oh. was like, um, well, yeah, if you compare me to that, yeah, I charge way too much. But why would you compare me to somebody like that? Right. So there's so much imposter syndrome around what kind of credentials am I supposed to have mm-hmm. to make me feel legit? Do I get to show up in these spaces? Do I get to raise my hand and speak? Yeah. You know, as if I need permission to speak. Right. Do I get to push back? Do I get to tell somebody I disagree? Do I get to tell a client that what they're doing is not cool, that they're pushing the boundaries? Oof. They're asking for things they shouldn't be asking for or that I'm not willing to give, right? Because yeah. it's always a negotiation. And so this is where people pleasing also ties in because when you're starting out in every business owner, I, you know, goes through this. I don't know about you, but I certainly did. In the beginning days, I remember when somebody would ask me, right, on the phone, they would call me up. How much is it? Mm-hmm. How much is it to like take photos? And I would throw my price out there and then there would be a little bit of a pause, right? Because the person is thinking about this. Yeah. And I would be so nervous. Like it'd be the imposter syndrome and the people pleasing kicking in. And then I would be like, you know what? But I can offer you a discount. Oh my God. Same. I have done that so many times. And every single time it's self-betrayal. And afterwards I feel hungover, like emotionally hungover. And then those are always problem clients. Like a hundred percent of the time, that's what happens if I don't own my worth up front. Oh, please continue. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? It's it's like this immediate, like, oh my God, why did I say that? Right. Mm-hmm. Why did I say that? They didn't even ask for a discount. And I'm already offering the discount yeah. because there's that thing in me again. There's mm-hmm. me waiting for someone else to recognize my value or to say something that makes me feel okay with myself. Yeah. And if that's the case, you know, we've all been through this. So thank you for having me. Yeah. Oh my gosh. There's so much to unpack here. I think that something I wrote down when you were speaking was that it comes back to stability. And when I, so I have been dealing with recovery from codependency and from people pleasing myself just in my personal life and realizing how much it permeates everything. It's truly incredible. Like if if you out there are listening and have ever felt like you sent a text message and you didn't get a response right away and you immediately assume the person's mad at you, this is the conversation oh for you. Like it's subtle. It's like it it plants its little talons and all the little nooks and crannies of life. And once you start to recognize the patterns, you're like, oh my gosh, this, how am I ever going to untangle this messy ball of yarn? But when you think about the root, that it all comes back to stability and you're just trying to get to a place for some of us we learned that we had to get approval from an outside source in order to feel okay, in order to feel safe, in order to feel stability. And it usually goes back to childhood. And at least in my research, and the good news is it's something that 
you can begin to unlearn. You're not stuck with this for life. So, Jewel, maybe we can start with defining what does people pleasing mean? Because it's it's bigger than the surface level of what we think it means. Sure. I'll give you how I define it, mm-hmm. which is pretty much from how I see it manifesting in my clients and myself, right? Pretty, like pretty much all people that I come across. So on the surface, it'll basically be you doing anything you don't really want to do, but you are afraid to say no. Mm-hmm. You are afraid to speak up. But at the heart of this is a fear of loss of connection, loss Mm -hmm. of relationship. And under that is the layer of safety, security, protection. Okay. Mm. So it will be incredibly hard to stop people pleasing if you are not prepared to let go of some of these relationships in your life. You need to have other relationships who are supportive of you. And so this is one of the quick litmus tests Mm. that I say to people. The people who truly love and support you will support you setting boundaries. They will applaud you setting boundaries, even if it's with them. (laughs) Okay. The people Mm. who may be a little bit more in the gray area or even in the far end of taking advantage of you are the people who are going to get angry. Yeah. And so people in general, they don't like change. Okay, so this is just true across the board. People do not like change. And so there may be a little bit of upheaval, like as you start to come out of people pleasing and you actually start to say what you really think, you start to stop doing some of the things that you never really liked doing. But it'll be very hard to do that if you're not prepared to let go of some of these people in your life. Completely. And would you say that the the longer the relationship has been in your life, the harder it is to set those boundaries or change those patterns? Oh, sure. And the two places I see the biggest people struggling with setting boundaries or to start changing away from the people pleaser identity is family and work. Okay. Mm, And so family, because there is something interesting I've noticed with people. People tend to hold on to outdated images of each other. Yeah. Okay. When it's your family versus you and you are the people pleaser, that's where it gets really sticky because your family has always known you to be this kind of person. And we do it ourselves as well, okay? We are probably holding on to outdated images in our minds of who the people we know are, when in reality, people are changing every hour, every day, right? Every week. So with family, there are expectations on both sides, right? Mm -hmm. Your family has expectations of who you are and what kind of things they think you're going to do for them. You're probably always the reliable, dependable one who's always going to show up when someone's in need. And in return, you have expectations of being the good daughter for them, being the good wife, the good sister. And you have in your mind a certain place carved out your role in the family, the family hierarchy. Mm -hmm. And it it starts to get really tricky because there's there's a role and then there's honoring that role. But what happens when the role starts to feel like it comes with shackles? Mm-hmm. When no one appreciates what you're doing for them. When it's your turn to ask for something and you think this is the least someone can do for me after everything I've done. Yeah. And you start to feel resentment. That's something to look at. Totally. Now with work, when people struggle, 
it's obvious, right? What's at stake? Your job. People are universally across the board afraid of being fired or somehow not getting that promotion or maybe having someone mad at them, just like you said, with the text. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's it's a lot at stake. So ask yourself, you know, what's at stake? Yes. And would you also say that there is a, a layer of not wanting to not be liked? <laughs> I feel like that's something that I hear a lot, especially with women, that it is almost like a, a physical aversion to feeling like somebody doesn't like us, which is so normal because guess what we are conditioned to be since we are born? Likeable, compliant, sweet, nice, such a good person. It's the programming is deep. It is it is not it is not an uncommon feeling. <laughs> oh my gosh. No, it's not uncommon. And so there there are a couple of things like if you don't mind like we Please? unpack. Okay. So earlier, like just a few minutes ago, you talked about how approval, right? It mm -hmm. takes a long time for us to come away from feeling like we need approval. And the way that I sort of describe this is like learning to ride a bike. Mm. It's easier to learn to ride a bike when you had the training wheels, right? So what I have noticed in people like my husband is when they had approval from their parents, like the training wheels, it becomes easier for them as they grow up to learn that they don't need to have that approval. But we all need that approval, especially when we're younger. Okay, mm. so every child needs approval. Now, when you don't get what you need, no matter it's approval or safety or love, you will seek it out in other methods. Okay, and I usually compare this to like a plant where it's been placed in like a shady spot, but it really needs sun. So what's it going to do? It's going to grow sideways if it has to, to get to the sun. Mm. That's what people pleasing is. Okay. Mm. It's that growing sideways. It's the contorting of ourselves to get that approval, to be liked. And, and so the whole idea of being liked is one of those things where I think it's really hard. It's universally put out there. We're taught as children, even not everybody has to like you. And I think we understand that on a rational level, of course, it, do you remember when the first time you were told that? Oh, sure. Like, it's okay to be different, right? Like, how many books did we have in our little kindergarten library saying that? But we knew that being different was not comfortable and, like, not a pleasant experience. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that's exactly what I mean is you may understand it on the rational intellectual level that not mm -hmm. everyone is going to like you. Mm -hmm. But you don't actually understand what that means on the emotional level, how uncomfortable and how unpleasant that actually feels. Yeah. We are not taught what we might do in response to feeling like we're not being liked. Oh my gosh, it's that's exactly right. It's learning to move through that experience rather than being A, stuck in that experience or numbing that experience. That's that's the game. <laughs> yeah. So what do most of us do? We will clamp down harder trying to be liked. Mm -hmm. You know, we'll probably say things, I don't understand why that person doesn't like me. I must try harder. There must be something I'm doing wrong. I have to try mm -hmm. harder. Or the numbing, right? Mm -hmm. We don't even try. We just give up. We we don't learn to seek out relationships with other people who would love to be friends with us. 
we just give up and we withdraw. We go to Netflix. We, you know, bury ourselves in books like I did growing up. Same. And it can be really hard. So there's so much around all of this, the imposteriness, the people pleasingness. Mm-hmm. I would say it's an inability to really deal with feeling uncomfortable and mm-hmm. feeling stuff like rejection, feeling that pain. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's this other piece when you were saying to be good, the good person. Mm-hmm. So there's this other piece like intertwined with the people pleasers identity. I have found so many people think that to be a good person means they should always say yes to people. They should always help people yeah. because that's what you have to do as a good person. Yeah. Yeah. What is that? Where does that come from? Do you think? Is that society? What is that? I think it's all of the above, right? It's society, yeah. it's culture, it's cultural conditioning put on women. Yeah. I know for me, you probably have similar stories, but my dad used to always say, you're daddy's little helper. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or yep. such, you do such a good job at this. Yeah. You know, and then that's how he would express approval. Mm-hmm. So unconsciously in my brain, I'm like, oh, dad likes this. So then I should, I should always help him. And right. then that then starts to expand the bubble. I should always help people. So mm-hmm. then who was I when I grew up? I was a kid where every other kid would ask for help on their homework or the school classwork. Mm-hmm. Heck, you could even cheat off of me in the tests if you wanted to, because to me, that felt good. Yeah. That was how I was being liked. Yeah. Yeah. As you said, it's that plant growing sideways to get to the sun. It's an adaptation, right? How, so you, you mentioned boundaries earlier, which again, hot word right now, big buzzword in the internet ether. Can you, and you so succinctly and beautifully put the people-pleasing tendency is doing something that you don't actually want to do. Like full stop right there. That's a great definition and a great litmus test, gut check. (laughs) And so much of that is just learning how to be silent, I have found. Um, But let's talk about boundaries, which to me are proactive decisions that you make beforehand about what you do and don't want to do, what you are and are not willing to engage in. And that could be people, that could be topics of conversation, that could be a certain type of work project, that could be an hour of the day that you want to keep sacred. Can you talk through how someone who potentially is like, I know I need to set boundaries, but I don't really know where to start. What would you say to that person? I would say you want to really think about what boundaries are in a nutshell. Mm. Okay. So before we can get to the doing, we first have to understand what we even like or don't like, what is okay and what isn't okay with us. Yeah. And I liken this to food. Okay. So most people like pizza. Most people like bacon, but certain cultures, they don't eat pork. Some people are, you know, dairy intolerant, right? It gets really tricky because we try to model our boundaries after other people's boundaries. That does not work because sometimes you may be okay with something that I'm not okay with and vice versa. So it really comes down to you actually having to understand yourself. You have to know yourself. So Constantly look at the interactions with people around you. Are you okay with what they're doing in your presence? Because that's really what boundaries are. 
what is and isn't okay for other people to do while they're around you. Mm -hmm. So once you start to tease that apart, that's when you can start to decide what you want to do about that. That's then the boundary setting starting to come into play. Mm -hmm. So first you have to decide what is or isn't okay. And then you take that group of stuff that isn't okay with the people, you know, who are doing these things. And then you have to decide to express that to the person. Mm -hmm. And then you have to make it clear what will happen if they don't, you know, Follow through. Yeah. yeah if, if they don't agree with what you're asking for, that's, that's the, the kicker. Other yes. <laughs> that's yeah. the kicker. Like what's the consequence of somebody disrespecting or maybe not disrespecting, that's a strong word, but not, I don't know what, what would be the word? Maybe it is disrespecting someone not um, agreeing with your boundary or not uh, doing as you've asked. Like I have an example. I had a person who would get very intoxicated when we would hang out in our friend group and it became, this is a super clear boundary, right? If you have more than three drinks, then I'm going to go home. Like I'm no longer going to hang out with you if you have more than three drinks. I don't care what we're doing. I don't care who we're with. Like I don't enjoy being around you if you have more than three drinks. Really hard conversation to have. And it was only when I actually left a couple of times that that person got it. And it was really hard for me to do because once we were at a birthday party, it was their birthday. And I had to get up in the middle of the meal to hold the boundary. And it was really tough, but it wasn't until removing myself from the situation that, that the person who I was making the ask of really understood that there was a consequence to the boundary. And I think that that's the piece where I would get muddy or used to get muddy is like what happens if the boundary isn't upheld? Yeah, exactly. Like I tell my clients, you do not have a boundary if you are unwilling to enforce the consequences mm -hmm. because you just have empty words. If mm -hmm. you don't actually follow through on what you say you're going to do, then that person can still do whatever they want, right? Right. And, and just to make it clear, like boundaries aren't about controlling other people. It's about protecting ourselves. So yeah. this is why the typical response to a boundary being crossed is to remove ourselves from the situation. You know, it's not like you're telling that guy to, uh, they have to leave or that person that they have to leave. Yeah, you're just you have control over that. Yeah, exactly. You only have control over how you respond. Yeah. But do you mind if I ask you a question? Yeah, please. So you said it was really hard for you to actually do this, right? Yeah, I, I think maybe to even say it, but then to actually start doing it. So what was hard about that? Oh, my gosh. Um, not wanting the person to feel bad was <laughs> a really big one. Um, not wanting to upset the to rock the boat of the group, because this person wasn't like a one on one super close friend, but they were in a group that I was in. This was another season of life. So feeling like maybe I'll lose the existing equilibrium. I don't know how else to put it. Like their dynamic maybe would be a better word. But yeah, mostly being 
really worried that I was going to hurt this person's feelings. That is so interesting because it's all about the other person, right? Right. It's like, you're not even saying anything about you. Right. And I think that's what's interesting about you is because usually when I talk to people pleasers, they're anticipating some level of conflict. Mm -hmm. It tends to mostly be about fear around the other person getting angry. Mm-hmm. And then almost them playing out like this future conversation that hasn't even happened yet. So they're totally. already reacting to that future. But for you, it was about not wanting them to feel bad and not wanting to rock the boat in the group dynamics, mm. which is also pretty common. Like I've seen this a lot. Um, one of the key phrases I have heard over and over from multiple people pleasers is mm-hmm. them feeling like they have to be on good terms with everyone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. And it's it's all of this combined that keeps us from having a very hard time with expressing and then setting and then enforcing boundaries. But this is why I compare it to food. Not everyone is going to have the same preferences in food. Okay. You don't get to tell other people what food they should be eating, right? Right. And same thing with boundaries and vice versa. And some people will get angry. Some people will not get it. Some people will choose to continually ignore the boundary. And at that point, the question is, what do you do? All you can do is what you did, Kelsey, which is get up and leave. Yeah. Yeah. And there's another flavor of boundary that I really like, which is sometimes I set boundaries that I don't even necessarily have to voice to other people, but I will hold them for myself. Uh, Like an example of that might be, Um, I had a job where at one point there was a new team member who would write emails um, past company policy agreed upon, like outside of work hours. And I just decided for myself that I just wasn't going to respond until it was work hours. And even that was tough because I felt that adrenaline rush, right? Like, oh, I I should respond right away. This person's asking me a question and just setting the boundary internally because I didn't have to set it externally because it was company policy. That makes sense. That was a repeated example to myself of like doing reps. Like if you think about doing reps in a gym of lifting weights, like every time I didn't answer an 8 PM email, it was like doing a rep. No, totally. Totally. And that's one of the things that I think people pleasers don't really think about is they have these weird expectations of thinking they should be able to do all of this perfectly and it should be easy and they shouldn't feel so conflicted or so like about it Mm -hmm. and that other people should also fall in line. And I'm like, that's just not how people are. (laughs) Mm -hmm. None of this. And like, why on earth would you think that you would be good at this when you haven't really set boundaries before? Yeah. It's like expecting yourself to know how to figure skate when you've never even been on the ice. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. But my God, it's like when you're talking about like setting these internal boundaries with yourself, I think a lot of us can relate, especially with emails. Mm -hmm. You know, I used to work at Amazon and like the craziest thing was I would maybe sometimes send out an email at like one, two in the morning. And the crazy thing would be people would respond in like 10 minutes. Wow. So at that time. Okay. And I think. For you, there was something you said. You would get the email past 8 p.m. And then you would immediately think, I should respond. Mm -hmm. This person is waiting. 
And so that is the key. So most people will just simply react to that piece. This person is waiting. And then what happens? It triggers that response, the people pleaser response. We don't like to feel like we're putting someone else out. Right. But then you want to dig in deeper. What is going on under that? So if this person is waiting and you don't respond, what's the fear? Like, what's the thing that's sort of running in the background in your mind? Gosh, I mean, if I'm really brutally honest, it's again, I won't be liked. I won't be thought of as a good worker. I won't be thought of as a team player. The external validation won't be there, which is really hard to admit, but that's, Mm -hmm. that's the truth. Like that's the deep truth. And it was, and it's still something that I work on with internal validation and external validation. Like this is not overnight stuff. This is a work in progress, (laughs) (laughs) which is why I'm so excited to have you because, you know, we see Instagrammable content about people pleasing and imposter syndrome and stuff. And that's great. It's like a, it's like an appetizer, but what I'm really interested in is, is digging deeper so that I can heal myself. But also if I can share the conversation and other people can start to ask some interesting questions and maybe go on their own journey, then that's best case scenario. Oh my gosh. I think all of us can relate, you know, especially as women. And here's the thing, I kid you not, literally my session last week with one of my clients, she's in a senior level position in her company. Mm-hmm. She has a very hard time with not responding to emails. And I asked her why, and same thing, mm-hmm. doesn't want to be seen as not a good worker and really wants to be seen as a team player. And some of this, or a lot of this really trickles down from the top, right? Mm-hmm. And she felt guilty not responding. And I said, but why? She said in her head, she sees her bosses working that late. So she felt she should also be working that late. Totally. So if someone is listening to this podcast episode and you are someone in the top level position, right? You have direct reports. I want you to really think about this. What example are you setting for people? Mm-hmm. Because even though we're not children anymore, The way you work, your own work ethic trickles down to everybody under you. They think because that's how you work that you expect them to work the same way. That's so true. And what's interesting about that also to me is that you're so right. Like it it does trickle down from leadership, um, but it's not just work ethic, it's work style. And what's, what's important to distinguish is you can be an incredibly smart, effective employee without working into that. In fact, working into the night and burning out makes you ineffective. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Like, I think that that's a piece that gets missed sometimes is like, actually, if you want to be effective at your job, (laughs) then maybe question, question that piece. I know. And it, again, goes back to what you said earlier. As children, what is the thing all children are trying to do? They're trying to fit in because mm. they think that being different is almost like a death sentence. You're going to be the one to get made fun of. Yeah. And even though as adults, we come away from that, there's still like a little seed of that planted in the back of our head, right? In our hearts. Totally. So feel that being different is going to make us look bad in some way. 
And these are the pieces that you want to address if you're trying to come out of people pleasing. Mm. And at the end of the day, like I want to make it real clear, we all need approval. We all need validation to some degree. But the question is, what are you doing to get those needs met? Mm. A lot of us have chosen very unhealthy methods to get them, okay? Mm. To get approval, to get validation. You mm. still want to get those needs met, but let's choose some healthier ways, okay? Let's maybe choose different relationships that can bring those pieces into your life without you feeling like you're abandoning yourself or you feeling like you're losing self-respect. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly right. That makes me think of, an, um, I believe it was Call to Courage by Brene Brown, her Netflix special, which if anybody out there hasn't watched it, it's I highly recommend it. It's basically like a comedy special with uh, mental health <laughs> content um, and explaining that like it or not, human beings are hardwired for belonging. It's our biology. It's inescapable. And it is not a bad thing to want to connect with people and have a community where you do feel that sense of belonging. Like that's actually the goal. Like that's beautiful. We need that. But the people pleasing actually keeps us from true belonging. Yes. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've seen that special and I loved it so much. <laughs> and I think the way that Brene Brown expressed this is genuine belonging happens when you allow people to actually see you. Mm-hmm. And that is one of the hardest things to do. Okay, so I think with a lot of people pleasers, we don't understand that people pleasing is a mask. It keeps people from truly seeing us yeah. because we're so busy meeting their needs, you know, putting up a screen saying we're okay with things that we're really not. Mm-hmm. Other people have a very hard time actually understanding who we are as people. Mm-hmm. Like, what do we really like? If you're always saying yes, how would somebody know like what you truly like versus what you truly don't like if you're saying yes all the time? Yeah. If you're constantly bending the rules for people, if you're not willing to draw the line in the sand, yeah. right? This is what is not true belonging. So in order to truly belong, to find your tribe, to find the people who would go above and beyond for you the way you do for people, Mm -hmm. you have to allow yourself to be seen. And I know that feels scary, but this is then that piece of vulnerability, right? Yeah. You're going to feel exposed and that's okay. Yeah. It's so true. So true. Ah, Jewel, I just, uh, there's so many things I could keep talking to you about, but I want people to know where to find you, how to work with you. And especially you have such an incredible deal with this sample coaching session. Can you talk about that for a second? Yes, Kelsey, thank you so much. People can find me on Instagram, on TikTok, on LinkedIn, all the places, pretty much you think of it, I'm there. (laughs) But with my sample coaching session, I do like to offer people a really great deal. You can get one hour of coaching with me for $99. And that is way cheaper than what I normally charge. I understand that most people don't actually understand what coaching is. They don't fully get it until they experience it. It can feel a little bit like therapy, but it's not therapy. So do not confuse this with therapy. If you are looking for somebody who is willing to tell you what is really going on with your life, who's not going to pull the punches, not going to sugarcoat it, then that's going to be me. Mm -hmm. 
Okay. If you are somebody who does not like being held accountable or who does not enjoy direct communication, this probably isn't for you. Mm. So just warning you up front. <laughs> no, that's great. That's really great. You know, um, I mentioned earlier that I was, I have been working on codependency and there's a step, a 12, uh, a 12 step program step that includes my life has become unmanageable. Like you recognize that life has become unmanageable. And that is, I think that, um, that amazing tipping point where if you can recognize that life has become unmanageable and something's got to give, seeking out help like this is a great idea. <laughs> oh my gosh. That is incredibly brave. To even admit that to yourself, I think that takes a lot of courage because there's one thing to sort of think that maybe things aren't going as well as I would want them to, or maybe feeling a little bit like my life is a mess, mm -hmm. but actually admitting that life has become unmanageable. I think that yeah. is really hard. And with people pleasing, it's like a slippery slope, right? Yeah. It's like you start thinking, oh, I should show up for them because I want them to show up for me one day. So there is this transactionality to people pleasing a lot of the times. Totally. We have expectations for people to reciprocate. Mm. Of course, this is not how life works. <laughs> um, but if you're the people pleaser, you're not getting the job you want or the promotion. You feel like you're not getting recognition, not just at work, but in your own family or your relationships. Mm -hmm. You find yourself constantly resentful or you wonder why people don't show up for you the way you do for them. Mm -hmm. It could be time to have a talk, right? Yeah. Because this is not sustainable. You'll end up like me where I was constantly having visions of myself running out into the street screaming in the middle of the night, never to be seen or heard from again. That's how unhappy I was. Yeah. Yeah. It's so true. Yeah. If you can, if you can nip it in a little bit, <laughs> we don't get to that place. Let's do that. <laughs> <laughs> Ideally, yes. Ideally. Things don't have to get that bad. You don't have to hit rock bottom to make the turn, okay? <laughs> so true. Gosh, it's so true. So you mentioned all the places people can find you. I also want to call out that you have an awesome resource on self-love affirmations and reflections. Do you want to share a little bit about that as like a, I think that's a great Dip your toe in the water if you're if you're curious about what this work might look like. Oh my gosh, you are so kind. <laughs> <laughs> it reminds me of something one of my clients said. So she went out and got the deck. Okay, so what you're talking about, it's an affirmation card deck. But before you like just close out this podcast, I will tell you straight up, this is not like how most affirmation cards are. But most of the decks out on the market today... You open up a pretty box and there's pretty cards and they have these pretty sayings. And if you're like me, you're going to be like, this is bullshit. Mm. <laughs> this, I can't get to this. This feels like I'm lying to myself. So then you're going to close the box and put it away and never look at it again. Okay. Mm. My cards have the sayings, but these are all sayings that have been crafted from my work with my clients. Mm. Now on the back of these cards... There is an entire reflection piece. It's content designed to help you think about what the saying on the front actually means. Yeah. Okay. So for instance, one of the cards, the affirmation is, I open to all of myself. Mm. 
And on the back, if you're struggling to understand what that means, it's talking about how we constantly hide pieces of ourselves. We censor what we're thinking. We hide what we show. We're picking and choosing constantly what we're thinking about, what we show to other people. We are hiding pieces of our identity. So what does that mean? You are not really embracing and accepting all of you. So this is what I'm talking about. That's the reflection. Each of the affirmations come with reflections. And so one of my clients, she got the deck and she said, oh my gosh, I can hear your voice in my head when I read these cards. It's like mm -hmm. having Jewel Kim's voice in my head. <laughs> so if you want a little preview of coaching, like some of the work, yeah. some of the bigger concepts, some of these concepts, I think they can be hard to think about. You know, people yeah. say you should love yourself, but what does that actually mean? What does acceptance mean? Yeah, yeah. it's so true. Like it's these so are true. huge questions. They are. And not only what does it mean, but how do I apply it to my own life, to my own actions, to my relationships? That's that's the good stuff. <laughs> yes. I mean, obviously, I'm biased. <laughs> but yeah, totally agree. Well, thank you so much for being here, Jewel. This conversation is going to help a lot of people. And Y'all, if you want to follow Jewel, I especially love her Instagram content, but I'm sure she's amazing on all the platforms. You can find her at Jewel Kim and then you, um, or it's Jewel Kim, excuse me. And then um, I will have all of those links in the show notes below, including the deck that Jewel mentioned and the um, sample coaching session link. So those will all be in the show notes. Thank you again for being here, Jewel. I really loved this conversation. Thank you so much for having me, Kelsey. All right, y'all know I'm about to ask you to subscribe to Find Your Magic on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you found us today. It truly helps podcasters pay their teams, find better guests, and give you good content. So if you want to hear more conversations about mental health and entrepreneurship, be sure to subscribe to Find Your Magic and leave us a review. Thanks for being here. Now go out there and find your magic.